Welcome everybody. Peak Pros podcast episode number number five. Um, Ryan Tenenhaus here from Peak Performance Therapy and Wellness. We've got Mia Sweet as well and special guest Chris Rosenberg. Chris comes here from uh, the Soundrunner shoe store. He's uh, one of the premier runners and works at the one of the premier running shoe stores here. Um, Chris, we got all sorts of good, fun questions to ask and talk to you about today. Awesome. So, without further ado, why don't you start? Just talk to us a little bit about your your running career and where you're at these days with your running. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Brian. And yeah. Yeah. This is really cool. I love to talk about this stuff. For some yeah. Strange reason. <laughs> uh, so, I've basically been running competitively since uh, my freshman year in high school. Uh, it was one of those sports that just kind of spoke to me and never looked back. I ran uh, for a year on uh, Central Connecticut's uh, Division One collegiate team and then um, just to make a little more room for academics, left the team after that year and just continued training on my own and have been almost self-coached with a, since then with you know a few helps from a couple coaches in the area but um, I'm part of a racing team in the uh, in the state, Soundrunner Racing, based out of the store. Um, I just love racing, being around you know other runners and pushing myself. So yeah. And Mia, what about you? Do you run, and and if so, why? I do. Yeah. Um, I've been running ever since I was a little girl. I, I remember the Thursday night track meets in Milford. I would always go to. Um, but yeah, it's been in my family for years. My sister ran, my mom ran, my dad ran. So. It just kind of instilled in me, and I just continued it, and I'm addicted. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah but it's I, definitely an addiction. <laughs> I like um, the shorter distances. Uh, I've run a marathon before, but I really like the high pace. Yeah. And Brian, how about you? Yeah, so um, I I think running is for me. It's it's fun, but it's always been part of something that I do in terms of being a tennis player. Um, cross-training for sports like swimming or ice hockey. Um, I did get into it a little bit more over the last few years just because of my love for triathlon. So it's kind of something that has sort of come naturally um, and it's just really something that is a nice easy way to get exercise real quick. So, um, you know, it's just something that I, I think it helps me feel good about myself in terms of just a good workout. Um, I love getting a good sweat on. And um, you know, it's it's just something that it's also to me more efficient than walking. Yeah. So I go to the grocery store and I'm like, ah, quick, run over there or run over there. It's just I'm a little crazy like that sometimes. Yeah, so, I always feel so yeah. accomplished after a run. Like, oh yes, I did something amazing today. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. It almost feels like the almost the worst <laughs> run it is. Like the the sweatier you get after a run, it's like, oh yeah, that was the a better. Good one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Chris for sure is is a real runner. I still wouldn't even call myself a real runner. I've had phases in my life where I was running a lot for training, um, but Chris Chris is an addict for sure, and he he he, he bleeds it. He he knows it. He he studies it. So that's that's one of the reasons I'm excited to pick his brain a little bit, learn a little bit more. You know, I've got a lot of patients, and I think Mia's got a lot of clients who who are often in the wrong shoes, um, or they're asking us, well, what do you think are the right shoes for us? And, and sometimes it's not the easiest question to ask. Um, so Chris, why don't you talk to us, just start with the basics about shoes. You know, there's, there's so much about like minimalists and, 
and, and hookahs and things. We're not going to talk about that yet. Let's just start with the basics. Yeah, so as probably anyone can know by a simple Google search, there are a ton of brands. You have New Balance, Nike, Brooks, uh, Adidas, all these brands, and they have a whole bunch of different shoes, and it's incredibly overwhelming. Um, and if you look at every site, every site will pretty much tell you that no matter what shoe you get, it's the best shoe for your foot. Not entirely always the case. Um, and this is where getting, uh, finding the right shoe can be particularly difficult because um, every person's different. Um, Brian, you and me are not gonna wear the same shoe. You guys have different leg structures, different demands from each shoe. I'm not gonna wear the same shoe as you guys not may not be all the case right the case all the time mm -hmm. right people have higher arches lower arches they do what's called uh, over pronation which is when your arches medially collapse uh, kind of throwing your knees and hips out of whack or supinate which is your arches are extremely stiff and you end up favoring the outsides of your feet and the brands kind of make shoes to adapt to both of those things um, essentially without getting too into the woods here, there are two main types of shoes. Um, you have a neutral shoe, which I, I consider um, evenly supported on both sides. So the support on the lateral side and the support on the medial side is gonna be exactly the same. Um, if you're a neutral runner or a supinator, which you can find out by getting fit, which I highly recommend everybody do. It's, unless you know exactly what you're looking for, buying shoes online is incredibly difficult. Yep. Um, so a neutral shoe has a lot of support uh, and the right support because it's evenly supported on both sides. So it's not gonna kick you more this way. It's not gonna kick you more in this way. It's gonna keep you right in line. And that's typically for, like I said, someone with a neutral foot or someone with a foot that's supinated or favoring to the outside. The other type of shoe is what we in the industry call stability shoes. However, I wanna put a little more clarification on that and say medial stability shoes. Um, because these stability shoes, and you'll see this everywhere online, um, and even like a lot of running stores will say, oh, you need a stability shoe. Most people hear stability and they're like, oh, I need a lot of stability. Give me all the stability you can get. But if you are a, if you have a neutral foot or a supinating foot, a shoe with medial stability, like the New Balance 860 here, may kick you a little more to the outside. And what that's going to do is if your foot's not allowed to pronate the amount that it needs to, as Brian Richard can attest his treadmill and stuff, um, that's gonna throw everything else off, so you're gonna have some issues, shin splints, all these other things can come on. But if you do need that support, if you have an overpronating foot, um, that extra stability, that extra stiffness on the medial side is gonna actually hold your foot and prevent it from rolling in. I so just wanna cut in real quick and mention, when we talk medial, we're talking the inside of your foot. Um, and, and just most people probably know that, but some people might be confused about that. Um, and this is, a, this is not a rule of thumb, but a lot of people tend to sort of cave in at their arch. So that would be, 
if this is my right foot, they kind of cave in. And so that's what we're talking about when we talk about overpronation. Uh, supination is somebody who tends to be more out here and like, like Chris was saying, on the lateral part of their foot. Um, so we can, we can continue on from yeah, there. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's essentially the two types of shoes. Now in that, in either of those categories, you can go more support into what they call a motion control shoe, which is gonna be very stiff and your foot's not, ideally it's to hold your foot in place to not move at all. And so let's hear your thoughts on that, Chris. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say my thoughts real quick and just saying like our ankle and our foot is supposed to move. So typically Mia and myself will rarely suggest to somebody yeah, you should probably go to a motion control shoe. That might be more like a little bit of a last case resort. Um, I'm sure Chris sort of agrees, but we'll hear a little bit more on his thoughts there. Fitting someone outright, 100%. Um, typically, and it's a very rare case that I'm ever fitting someone for a motion control shoe. If I am, they've either just had uh, you know, a severe trauma to their lower limbs somewhere, whether it be in their foot, in their knee, and they don't have the support or the muscle structure to get through the day without you know, the muscles in their feet to be able to do that. Right. Uh, the other people who I'll pull that shoe for, because running shoes have gone through a slew of changes over the years, many people are actually running a lot in these motion control shoes. And if that shoe has been working for them, Unless they're not feeling any issues, I typically will continue to pull that shoe. Right. Um, a lot of people talk, and we can kind of dip into the minimalist a little bit here. Yeah. Um, but going, changing your shoe type at all, whether you do go minimalist or you do go maximalist from minimalist, it's a process no matter what you do. A lot of some people think, oh, if you go from less of a shoe to more of a shoe, that's fine. It's actually more difficult to do that from, say that again, it's more difficult to go from like a more, uh, less support, less supportive shoe, yeah. where your foot has been allowed to move so much, to more support. Okay, gotcha. And there is a, um, and there's definitely obviously a transition to go from something that's been extremely supported, maximally right. supported, motion control, yeah. to less, yeah. too. And so now thinking about what Mia does here at Peak, I mean, she could do a lot of good exercise, uh, a balance training and proprioceptive training exercises with somebody who was trying to make that transition to yeah. try to lessen or to make it more manageable. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. And, um, you know, we always do like a, a client analysis first, right? We look at their feet and then what kind of shoes that they have what kind of motions would support what they need the most and what kind of shoe would support that, right? So there's right. all these factors. Yeah. And on that training platform too of building strength and doing all that, you can train yourself out of needing stability shoes mm -hmm. sometimes too. Right. And that's, you know, a conversation to keep up with your, with your trainer and yep. PT and also the specialty. Yeah. What do you sell the most, by the way? It probably it, it tends to vary currently right now we're probably straying a little more towards the neutral end it's different everyone kind of has their own little biases um, 
as if you know what works well for them running and stuff like that so I try not to focus on what always sells the best because mm. it's always it's there's always new trends it's always yeah. a new trend and it's always like every person's a little bit different yeah. uh, one of the new trends that is kind of coming along is this new take on stability where um, instead of putting in what they call the medial posts so an inside support on that inside part of your foot they're just stiffening up the back half of the shoe so the back half of the shoe is getting stiffer accomplishing the same thing without favoring one side or the other okay. to adapt to more types of runners and more types of feet yeah a little bit more support and in theory the the heel or the calcaneus bone is where a lot of the stability or the control yeah. is lacking and so that's where um, if I'm treating somebody I'm trying to tackle the heel a lot of times there's a lot too much rigidity through the midfoot so that that's where that kind of makes sense if you take away some of the control uh, the, the, the bulk of the shoe and allow for some more mobility in the midfoot that could be beneficial while you're still controlling the hind foot. And it depends yeah. on how you tie the shoe too, right? And yeah. we have a whole uh, podcast about yeah, that. So. I know. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, there's a billion. They've they've designed the shoes to almost create a customized fit in each one, depending on how you uh, tie it. There's yeah. countless ways to tie your shoe. Yeah. So Not just the the bows around the tree. Through the swoop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny um, yeah. So all right. So talk to us a little bit about let's go down the road of minimalist since that was kind of a big deal i want to i don't know when um born to run came out but i feel like that's yeah. been probably 10 to 20 years ago now but that still was a really big deal at the time and there that's when the vibrams came big and a lot of people yeah. started going down that like barefoot running and i you know my two cents is there's definitely a place for intrinsic foot strengthening and barefoot running um building up the strength in your foot and so doing that some people like myself just can't tolerate running in barefoot for very long at all but minimalist shoes can be really helpful for me for periods of time but you what are your yeah. thoughts so they have their place i 100 percent believe that minimalist shoes have their place um, my personal opinion is their place is more in the gym where you have you're in kind of a controlled environment you may run a little bit but maybe you're doing some balancing stuff and you don't want that support from the shoe. Um, some people do need that support from the shoe when they're doing balancing starting out, so I'm sure because you have a whole slew of clients, I'm sure that you're used to training. Um, but the body is a very adaptive system and in theory, the minimalist should work. Right. I, in theory. Right. <laughs> uh, However, the theory kind of, at least Born to Run, says that, you know, back in the day, we hunted, we ran down our prey, uh, we never spent any time in shoes and all this stuff. Right. Um, however, back in the day, I don't think anyone would go out for a five-mile run just for fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> on, on asphalt. So that's kind of where the, the theory kind of loses a little bit of its ground. Um, being in... A natural positioning, I agree with, but on the surfaces that we all run on, on concrete, on a constant surface, which is an artificial surface that we as humans created, um, there's not enough variability for our arches to kind of build that strength up, and it's too much 
impact repetitive motion in one thing. Right. So if you're mostly a road runner, I don't, I don't think minimalism is a great way to go. Um, not to say there may be people watching this that have yeah. done it and they're going to yeah. say, no, I now run marathons barefoot. Yeah, yeah. There is a guy in Connecticut who does it. I still think he's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you can also just step on glass or step on yeah. dog poop. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but the it, other, I mean, the other thing is, like, most of us sit a fairly decent amount of our day. So if you compare that to the the exactly. tribes that the book kind of bases things on from hundreds of years ago, yeah, um, our bodies are just unfortunately morphing and morphed into something that's a little different. So. Most of the runners that come into your store or come into my clinic are not working on their feet all day, every day. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I, I definitely see its place, um, specifically in terms of building up strength in your feet, which, you know, living barefoot here and there and doing exercises here and there, absolutely. But going, doing miles and miles and miles, it's, it's tough. Yeah, it's very tough. Like I said, there are people who've done it in those tribes that they talk about. Kumara is who they reference. They're brought up as kids. Like as soon as they're able to walk, they're basically able to run, and they're running not in shoes. So over the course of their entire life, they've built the strength in their feet, right. and they've adapted to it. Where some of us are picking this up and are trying to do minimalism in our 30s. Right. Sport. I mean, even starting it in your 20s is right. right. With, with that being said, I've got a four-year-old and a one-year-old at home, and I absolutely support keeping them barefoot a lot. Yeah. Um, letting them, that. Yeah, yep. letting them learn to walk um, barefoot as much as possible, because most shoes out there, especially not see these are these are already awesome shoes. Every single one of them. Yeah. When you when you go kids shopping for shoes, first of all, they grow out of them in five minutes. But second of all. Um, you know, a lot of people are out there buying for fashion, so they're they're getting these kind of cute-looking shoes that they, they look adorable on a one-year-old or a two-year-old. They but they're up. they're yeah, they all light up, and and that's all the kids want. But the truth is, they're not at all good for the foot because most of them don't allow for what we call like yeah. like this torsional rigidity, where we want the ankle. You know, there's three planes of the foot and ankle that it should be able to move in, and you want your shoes to mimic your feet. When you've got children's feet that are, they usually don't have a huge arch or much of an arch at all when they first are born, you want them to develop that foot strength. And so I look at some of my patients these days in their you know, 40s or 50s and I wonder, hmm, I wonder what shoes they were in when they were one. You know? And so I definitely want to say as a child um, or a small child, you want to either get them in some good footwear that does allow their foot to move or, or proprioceptive the, the floor or just allow them to be barefoot, yeah. you know, a decent amount. And we'll get, you know, some new runners in this in the store too, and some younger kids. And for a while we carried kids' shoes. And some of the sound runners do carry kids' shoes, but I never really liked the shoes we carried. Sorry, sound runner. <laughs> uh, because of that, they were so rigid, they didn't allow the foot to strengthen the right way. And, you know, I almost prefer putting kids in more of that minimalist shoe with some cushioning but at least it has some flexibility. So Makes sense, yeah. We like there, this is a little stiff going this way, we want it to sort of twist this way 
and when we bend it, we want it to not hinge at one or two spots. We want it to bend, so this is not necessarily the best shoe, it's okay, but um, he may go through a couple tests like that That's with some of his right. shoes as well. Um, talk to us about Ultras, because I know they're kind of like, oh, okay, wow. here we go. Wow, so okay. you see that, yeah. and they twist nicely, like you're wringing out I mean, a there's, towel. Yeah, there, there's some rigidity to it, but it does allow your foot to move, and that's, so, good good transition. <laughs> here we go. So, we can start kind of getting into some of these niche brands that, that are getting a little more popular, and I brought a couple. Uh, the first one is Ultra. Um, I'm a big fan of Ultras, I run in them myself. Um, like the Born to Run, they believe in natural foot placement. So um, most footwear has some kind of a heel lift in it. Right, so um, like for instance these, the t a foot lift, he heel lift, heel he lift. means yeah. from, from the base of the heel to the forefoot, there's usually approximately what? Usually about 10 to 12, millimeters. Uh, eight, 8 to 12 millimeters of, of, of height. So the heel would be uh, 8 to 12 millimeters higher than your forefoot. So you're kind of on a slant like this. Um, Which some would argue can caused a problem back in the 80s or 90s when they created that. Some might suggest that that has caused this whole yes. change in how we run. Yeah, it definitely has altered the way we run, and some people can argue that it has related to more injuries. Right, we don't have to go down that we path. We don't have to right go down, down that just path. Probably episode throwing that, yeah, I'm just <laughs> throwing but, that out there. Yeah. So, uh -huh. the couple traits that the alt, that all ultras have is that zero drop, so you're sitting flat as if your foot is barefoot. And they also have a foot-shaped toe box, which looks really weird, uh, but it is the shape of your foot, so it's not that weird. Can we... Mia, can you take your shoes and socks off? Sure. Or one of them? Chris doesn't have to, but her and I will. Because when he says foot shape, there's everyone has a different foot shape. But I think what he's generally referring to is that the forefoot is wider than the hind foot. And the only yeah. reason I'm putting Mia on the spot here, because she has different shaped feet than I do. Just I, I don't I haven't really looked at her feet, but we all do. Yes. Some people have narrow feet. Some people have pretty wide feet. And the truth is, if you look at a kid's foot, the way your foot really should be at the beginning, at least, it starts narrow and it becomes wider. And that's exactly what Chris mm -hmm. is referring yeah. to here. Carry on. <laughs> so, but what Ultra doesn't entirely agree with. And they do have a couple shoes that are in that minimalist kind of category that we were talking about. But they believe in cushioning the foot. So they will have some amount of cushioning. This is the least cushioned ultra that we carry. Uh, we, they kind of come in a few stages of more and more cushioning. Uh, some of them as much cushioning as any of the regular shoes out on the market. Um, and they basically want you to be able to run as far as you can, but they want you to be in a natural position. Um, and that's their their big claim to fame. Um, as with anything, changing your shoes, if this idea is kind of catching on, there is a kind of a little learning curve in some sorts. Uh, because your heel is lower, it's going to stretch your Achilles, you're getting more length out of your calf, your soleus, the two muscles in your calf, your gastroc and the soleus down there. So it will make your calves a little more sore, um, could kind of flare up your Achilles a little bit if you do too much too soon. 
um, and it could kind of have other effects, effects up, up, up the chain. chain. Yep. Uh, but ultimately, if once you kind of get used to it, it hopefully knock on wood will lead to less injuries, or at least that's Ultra's kind of mo. That's their that's their goal. Yeah. Sorry, these the same shoes right here. Yeah, so I'm I'm wearing the, the shoes right now. Yeah. And, and you had a calf injury, correct? I did. So I uh, I started with Ultra after I had uh, ankle surgery, um, because I wanted to get into that lower drop, and I had to start from scratch anyway. Uh -huh. um, I also in my climb back, what's kind of odd and a little different from what most physical therapists. Yeah. might suggest <laughs> I did have a bout of Achilles tendonitis um, and believe it or not the only shoes that I could run in was the ultras yeah. because they allowed my Achilles to kind of stretch and get to that length instead of being shortened by being in a heel shoe. So it sort of worked awesome. with your injury that you had. It did, That's yeah. Um, I did have a calf injury yeah. a little while ago, not related to the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely related no, no, to me no, no. pushing myself <laughs> far too hard. Well, see, and that's that's yeah. a good point though to bring up because a lot of times people, um, they they sort of want to place blame, or they want to. I mean, great for business. They're like, oh, do you think do you think I should go get some new shoes? Like Mia and I get this all the yeah. time. Like, my cap's been really bothering me. Do you think I should go in and get some new shoes? I've been I'm ready for some new ones anyways. Just don't tell my wife or just don't tell my husband. You know, but the truth is, like a lot of times. The shoe may have nothing to do with it if your training methods were, were shoddy or or if you just made some foolish yeah. decisions. Right. If you've been getting good shoes and you start training either lifting or you start a running regimen or you just start running and you've been fit for good shoes, in reality, um, many most popular question I think I get when people come into the store is, oh, what's the best brand? Yeah. Mm. Honestly, if you've been properly fit for a pair of shoes, um, be it at Sound Runner or Fleet Feet or Kelly's Pace or wherever on the shoreline or wherever you guys are, um, if you've been fit for a pair of shoes, that's probably going to be just fine for you. Um, it's more about just slowly working yourself right. up to that. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, so you talked about kind of a, a zero drop. That's one of the things, and by the way, Ultra, I'm saying this for people like me, it's spelled A-L-T-R-A, because yes, not, for a long ultra. time I was like, what are you saying now? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so the two big things about the Ultras are that there's a little bit wider toe box, which I think, from my perspective, is a really good thing, because, you know, you get a lot of people, whether it's females who are wearing kind of high heels or pumps that kind of jam your your forefoot into this small, sort of cone-shaped, narrower uh, forefoot space, or you know, you get people who've been wearing Nikes for several years and their t their foot's kind of jammed up. So it's it's nice. Um, I think yoga people who who love getting that toe spread, which we really want to um, activate the, the small muscles in the foot to allow that spread. I think that ultras are an awesome type of idea. Um, just gotta be careful about that zero drop. If because, like you said, if you're a runner, which means you have had created a, a habit, a motor plan in your brain for many, many years, 
it's going to be a learning curve, meaning it's not just mental, but you're going to have to physically kind of slow it down, dial it back. You can't just buy a pair of ultras and say, resume at you know yeah. five mile runs. Yes, if you because it's going to be very yeah. different to a shoe that I'm wearing right now, which may have eight millimeters from heel to toe yeah. where it changes. And uh, one of the things that ultras has said that the transition period from going from a lower drop is more correlated to cushioning or lack of cushioning than it is to actual drop. So right. it's not as drastic as you would think, but there is still that little bit of a curve. And what I tell people when they get the shoes anyways, almost with anything, listen to your body. It's one of the most difficult things to do, but it's incredibly important no matter what, what, no matter what athlete you are. Yeah, um, I do think uh, with that said, try to be smart and proactive yeah. because if you get to a point where you're listening to the foot pain, I mean, most people can sort of recover in a few days, but it, it's best practice in my opinion to go, you know, go for a quick 10 minute jog or something. And even if it feels good, okay, stop, call it yeah. quits. Maybe even go back to the old shoe yeah. if, you're, if you've got to go five miles that day. And, yeah. and then wean into it, just like if you were using a medication and you were trying to kind of wean off of the medication. Yeah. Um, all right, Hoka's, one of Hoka's. our favorite things to talk about because so many people use them for so many different reasons. So talk to me about Hoka's. So one of the biggest changes with Hoka coming from Ultra is probably one that Brian may not like so much, but it is a lot stiffer than almost any other shoe on the market. Are, they, are all your Hoka's that way? Uh, well, that's a little different, but yes. Even this one's pretty Mo stiff. Most though. Hoka's are going to be a, a stiffer than most shoes, and that's because they have what's called a meta rocker, kind of like right around in the midfoot area. And that's what the, all their shoes kind of revolve around. So uh, they're really geared to just kind of help you run easier. Now, the interesting thing I feel with the meta rocker, and I run in both Ultras and Hoka's. Um, is the Meta Rocker helps you get a little better form. It kind of helps you get off your heel, kind of propels you forward a little bit more, just because the shoe itself does a lot of the work, does a lot of the towing off. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of new runners, um, a lot of runners with knee pain, and this is more of an anecdotal kind of, kind of note, but a lot of runners with knee, knee pain, ankle pain, sometimes hip pain have found some relief with the hokas not so much because of all the cushioning but because of that that meta rocker going forward and that's something i always hear people talk about the cushioning piece they think that yeah. that's solving the issues yeah the cushion they are very soft very comfortable yeah. but most of what i feel like people are getting more relief from is that meta rocker yep. Yep. going forward and um, I have one style Hoka here. They do have ones with that extra medial support, a little yep. bit stiffer back half. Yep. Um, they have lighter weight ones. So there's the wide range of. And do you feel uh, walkers, people who aren't runners, but who walk and have injuries with walking yeah. also? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in most, and to that point, walkers, a lot of people look at sound runner and think, well, I'm a walker. I'm not going right. to go into that story. Yeah. Um, our shoes. <laughs> Must be rush hour. Yeah. Our shoes are technically running shoes, but we define them as forward motion shoes. So that's where they're really going to, anytime you're going in one direction, walking, 
running, sprinting. So That's, you're doing any agility work, don't use I those. <laughs> yeah, they actually do have some cross-training shoes, and there are some Hoka's with a little bit lower profile that okay. we have recommended for gym people. Like I said, Hoka has a whole range of shoes. Yeah. Um, but that's their big thing. So they really, would, they focus on getting that calcaneus in place that as well, okay. um, which is your heel bone. Yeah. Um, with like, they call like kind of a bucket seat. So one of the other kind of things is most people look at these shoes and they think, I'm gonna be so unstable on this big, large platform. Mm -hmm. But you sit actually about maybe a couple centimeters under where that foam line is. Okay. So it gives you a little bit more of that inherent stability mm -hmm. through there. So, I mean, I use my Hoka's for long runs, um, a little bit of speed work with that one, but that's just because it's a little different, which we'll get into. Um, but most of the time it's my long run shoe. I've done a few marathons in them, and it definitely kind of, you do feel a little, you don't have to work quite as hard. Just real quick. You ran a fast marathon not that long ago. Uh, Providence. How fast? Yeah. I think 238, 239, That's somewhere nice. around there. <laughs> so you, did you wear Hoka's in that one? I did. Wow. Yeah, I wore a lower profile one than this. It was called the, the Mach. So it was one of their lighter, more racing style shoes. But I used it because it helped with that gait process. So. So is a there lot. an asterisk then? Did that did that help cheat? Were you cheating a little bit? Did we lose on a No, I was not cheating. Uh, no, cool. unfortunately. Uh, but uh, believe it or not, so I said I'd run in both Hoka's and Ultras. Yeah. So for most of my long runs and my, uh, not so much my long runs, but a lot of my speed work, my middle distance runs, I was using Ultras. So I would have that to gain that extra strength in my calves and get uh -huh. the length in my Achilles. And then I used the hokas because I had done the work, so it'd yeah. be a little bit easier. So like, it just goes to show too, because a lot of people might say like that's a little questionable because, like, you got to be very dedicated to your your calf, for instance, to be able to tolerate that. I think um, some people might not do that well if they're going back and forth between, you know, basically what he just explained, a, a zero drop yeah. ultra and then going to the Hoka, but obviously he just proved that if you if you do some good stretching, good rolling, and yeah. take good care of yourself, that you can definitely do that and be very successful. And I did it with that in mind, right. thinking that the longer runs let me alleviate the strain on my calf a little bit more. Right. And I have a bunch of shoes. I have firmer shoes for my speed days. Obviously I have Ultras and Hokas for varying days. When you're looking at getting different types of shoes, um, be it for the gym, that you want to start speed work or you're going to get into more long runs my shoes all kind of have a different purpose right um, this is repertoire yeah <laughs> so um, now that one of the knocks in the PT world on Hoka's is that there's that you're not able to feel the ground quite as well or like you lack a little proprioception perhaps um, what are your thoughts on that like do you think that that's it's you not necessarily true or um, do, do you can you, if you had an ultra and you were doing some balance exercises on or you know a, maybe a traditional Brooks shoe versus the Hocus do you feel like you might have a better feel in one versus the other or not really sure I think you probably have an easier time balancing in the Hocus interesting because of because of you sit in the foam 
Yeah. And so it does kind of come up to meet your arch a little bit, which helps for that proprioceptive yeah, yeah. kind of support. Um, versus, you know, the Brookshire. And the Hokas also have a little bit lower of a heel to them, too. They're not as low as the Ultras. Okay. But they have, they're kind of in the middle. They have about a 4 to a 5 millimeter okay. offset, depending on the model that you Okay. Can. Okay. Um, so you're kind of sitting a little flatter, which kind of gives you a little bit more of that proprioceptive support. Yeah. But regardless of what shoe you have, whether it's a Hoka or it's a regular Brooks or a New Balance or something like that, you're not feeling much of the ground. The only time you'll feel the ground is if you have a very minimal shoe. Right, right. Um, so really the Hokas are helping you gain that proprioceptive support because you sit in that shoe a little bit more and it's helping your, 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 your gait cycle and yeah. your foot movement. Now gotcha. what's that other Hoka? So, I brought this one because I think with a lot of the marathon records going down from all these elites wearing the Nike shoes with the carbon fiber plates, uh, which many people might call cheating, yeah. <laughs> I decided to join the cheaters at some point. <laughs> uh, so I got myself a carbon fiber plated shoe. Alright, talk to us about that because Mia and I are like, what? Mind blown. What? So what they did... Um, if you look on the bottom of the shoe, which is a little too far away, you can't see it, but there is a carbon fiber plate that runs the length of the shoe. Um, and that creates stiffness. Um, kind of similar to Hoka's original thinking of stiffening up the whole shoe, getting that rocker so your foot doesn't have to work as hard. Um, Nike took it off with the uh, Vaporfly, and that's what, you know, if you guys know of Kachoge or how the Marathon World Record didn't really fall, but did kind of fall. Um, he didn't have to work quite as hard. He got some spring back from the plate, and he also got more support, so his legs weren't as fatigued later in the run. Interesting. And that's kind of the whole thinking behind the carbon fiber plate. You get a little bit more of that spring, so this shoe all around is much stiffer than anything else. Um, it's pretty cool. I got it because, well, Gonna, I'm gonna race and everyone else was getting them, so exactly. I figured I gotta keep up. <laughs> well, it's so funny because carbon fiber is like, you know, years ago hockey made their sticks out of carbon fiber, and, and probably around the same time, bicycles, they're Started. super light, super strong, rigid, you know, so it's like running's like, we gotta get in this somehow, yeah. and, and they did, you know, and so it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's light, it's strong, it's got some awesome attributes, so yeah, should be interesting to see how this wave goes. Yeah, and I do, again, anecdotal evidence-wise, uh, I do feel a little bit of a difference. You feel that spring off, that little toe off, and I think I've talked to a couple friends who've gotten those, and they're like, I feel like I'm cheating. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's it's a cool new development in the in the performance shoe world, where yeah. in the past the fastest shoes were always as light as possible. You know, they right. made you almost running on absolutely nothing. You were running on minimalist shoes. Yeah. And now, with the advent of Hoka really started the charge on it, um, and Nike just tweaked their plan a little bit, uh, then now all of the fastest racing shoes and all the fastest marathon times are being run with shoes that are thicker than these. Mm. Yeah. yeah, which is shocking. It's crazy. Right? So are those the only two companies so far that have done it? No, now uh, Nike was the only one that had a carbon fiber plate in a maximalist shoe for a while. This, I think this one was the second one to come out, um, at least that I know of from my time frame. Um, 
but now pretty much every single brand is coming out with a carbon fiber plated shoe. Brooks has one. Um, Saucony just released one, the Endorphin Pro. Okay. Okay. Um, they're all they're all coming through, so all the brands are catching up to Nike. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're running out of time here, so you guys have anything else that you wanted to add? Um, you know, conclusion here. I know there's I, a couple other shoes here that we didn't get to talk about, but if you wanted to share any yeah, information absolutely. about Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, I mean, I guess the your biggest takeaway, I would say, from all this is there's a wide range of shoes to pick from. Yeah. Um, and visit a specialty running store. Again, Soundrunner is awesome, be it Soundrunner, <laughs> be it Fleet Feet, but talk to someone who knows what they're talking mm -hmm. about, um, who can get you started on the right path. Um, but at some cases, it is really, it's a lot of trial and error. Right. Uh, a lot of it comes down to strengthening, yeah. um, getting, ma maintaining, uh, you know, proper muscle alignment and, and all that stuff. Right. Uh, so it's not always the shoe. Uh, and sometimes what we recommend doesn't always work. If there's a little bit of a trial and error, you kind of have to figure out the shoe that works best for you. Right. Um, it's definitely a combination. I mean, I've always taught people that everything is kind of this three-legged stool approach. So you've got mechanical stuff, right? You've got either a tight calf, you've got a, an arch that needs to be treated by a good manual therapist, but you also have the, the components that Mia can help you with, um, you know, in terms of balance, stability, and strength, and also how you move. So, you know, some people can't get out of a chair correctly, let alone run. Mm -hmm. So that's where Mia can really help help people get get their body moving the right way and get their body stronger the right way. You can't just buy a good shoe. You have to do some right. work behind it too. Yes. Right? Right. So, and yeah. then that's that that's that third piece is is um, you know, making sure that your your training plans, your training approach and your your chassis and this is part of your chassis right. is, is appropriate. So you're not gonna put certain tires on certain cars and that's really what this comes down to and you know a lot of times people you know just just a quick instance somebody who may have just come off of, of being pregnant and they're having their child and they're six seven months out from having the child and they want to get back into running so the shoes that they got already had 200 and something miles on they're three years old they're coming back their body's different their body's weaker their body is a different yeah. shape or size and they're maybe putting on the same shoes and it's not going to work. So that's where you, it's, it's kind of a whole team approach. And that's yeah. why we've got Chris here, because we love having that team approach. Yeah, you got you to gotta look from all angles, progress slowly, especially for the beginner runners out there who are just starting, or people who have taken a break, be it from a pregnancy right. or a life taking them away. Yeah. Start slow. Right. I mean, that's, um, I was telling Mia that my, I just hit my highest mileage month for the first time since my ankle surgery now almost three years ago. And that, the amount of distance I ran this month would have been a short month compared to before my injury. Yeah. So yeah. it's taken me, you know, three years to slowly just kind of build myself back. In a safe way. Yeah. In a safe way. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Well, cool. thanks guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks yeah. for joining us. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and we'll catch up with you soon for podcast episode number six. Yeah. Coming up soon. Peak Pros <laughs> Podcast. Peak Pros cool. Podcast. Cheers. Cheers. Bye guys.